Hello, and welcome back to Why Morocco, a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to spotlighting some of the inspiring and creative personalities who share my love of the North African Kingdom of Morocco. My name's Mandy Sinclair, PR consultant and freelance writer, tasting Marrakesh food and cultural tours owner and host of this podcast. As you sit back and listen, it's my hope that you'll leave feeling inspired to pay a visit or motivated to start planning that trip to the Kingdom of Morocco. After several months off from podcasting due to life and world events, I'm back with a bonus episode of Why Morocco. It's my way of saying thank you, dear listeners, for tuning in, following my adventures over the years, and continuing to check in. This time, I'm chatting with my friend and author, Adrienne Chin, about her two books, The Lost Letter from Morocco, set in the Marrakesh area, and The English Wife, set in Canada, where I am at the moment. With the pandemic and the passing of a close family member, I decided to stick around here despite borders reopening in Morocco in September. I have spent the autumn with loved ones and enjoyed all the autumn colors and pumpkin spiced and apple everything. While I'm hoping to return to Morocco in the coming weeks, Adrienne began developing her latest novel, The English Wife, at my dining room table in Marrakesh back in 2018. The book was released on the 24th of June this year. Her first novel, The Lost Letter from Morocco, was a real page turner for me when she gifted me a copy when it was released in 2019. I loved the storyline, but it felt like a bit of armchair travel as the characters set out in locations around Morocco, including Marrakesh, the Atlas Mountains, and even coastal Essaouira for the Ganoa Festival, one of my favorite festivals in Morocco. So let's listen in as Adrienne and I chat about her novels, writing style and approaches, and why she too is so inspired and filled with creative energy when visiting Marrakesh. To get started, Adrienne, could you tell listeners about yourself, please? Sure. I'm a Canadian, although I've lived in uh, Britain for 30 years now, um, and I love to travel. Uh, I'm a uh, an inveterate traveler, so I've, uh, I'm an interior designer by trade, although I've been doing an awful lot of uh, creative writing for the last five, six years. And I've been teaching interior design in China. I spend a lot of time in Morocco, which is my favorite place to visit. As you know, Mandy, I've been yeah. going regularly for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and set my first novel in Morocco because of that. And... Uh, yeah, so uh, there hasn't been a lot of interior design work happening since uh, COVID started. Uh, a lot of has been put on pause. So I've been doing an awful lot of uh, creator writing this past um, nine months. So uh, yeah, that's that's it in a nutshell, really. You're going to be one of those people that comes out of lockdown with and that you wrote a book. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I've written. I've written. Yes. Well, you know. <laughs> It's not like I've been productive every day. There's been no. an awful lot of playing Jewel Quest on my phone as well. And stuff okay. like that. <laughs> but, you know, uh-huh. but I have managed to uh, write my third novel, which is with the publisher right now. And I've just started another one in, wow. uh, in the last week. So, uh, 
Yeah, I read Shakespeare wrote three plays during that he was in lockdown for a year with the plague, so he wrote three. So I'm not going to quite make three, but I might make <laughs> might make one and a half. So. <laughs> well, we never know. Let's yeah. talk about your latest release, The English Wife. You drafted yes. the outline and character bios uh, for that book in my apartment in 2018. <laughs> And I've just finished reading the copy you so kindly sent over, um, and I loved it. It was a page-turner. So could you tell listeners a bit about your latest release, The English Wife? Yes. The English Wife was released, um, uh, published on on the 24th of June this year. And it's what we call a time-slip historical novel with Mm -hmm. part of it set in 2001, um, during the 9-11, um, and then part of it set during World War II in England and uh, a bit of that in Newfoundland as well. So it's primarily set in Newfoundland and England with a bit in New York with uh, the characters' stories intertwining over those years. Um, and uh, the backstory is a war bride story. Uh, where an English woman Mary, uh, meets a Newfoundlander uh, who's over in Britain as a soldier mm-hmm. during World War II, and they marry, and she ends up going to Newfoundland uh, in Canada, uh, which was not part of Canada at the time. Uh, it was um, the, Britain's oldest colony at the time, and um, with the Newfoundlanders very, very proudly independent Newfoundlanders, and uh, then the current story is uh, the woman's um, niece, Sophie, who um, Sophie's mother and, and Ellie from the first story uh, are estranged. So uh, Sophie ends up going to Newfoundland on a plane accidentally because she's on her way to New York. She's an architect. She's off on a interview in New York for a big job and her plane gets diverted on 9-11 to Newfoundland and um, and that's where her story starts connecting with her Aunt Ellie's where she meets her Aunt Ellie for the first time and finds out why uh, her mother and her aunt don't speak to each other and all of that and their their lives get entwined. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's the story in a nutshell. Um, and it's doing really well. I'm really pleased. It's a bestseller in the UK, in Canada, and the United States. And uh, uh, and the paperback's out in the United States in February. Um, it's out everywhere else at the moment. So uh, yeah, I can't. I couldn't be more pleased. And I did start it on your table that week you were in Canada. And I was in your flat for a week, just uh, between Christmas and New Year's around there, yeah. around that time. And um, and I worked out the character biographies and the outline. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. It was very productive. I know. <laughs> I do find me. my apartment is just a place of inspiration for me, too, as like a writer, yeah, creator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that your book is a time split between two eras. Yes. Um, and I noticed that your book, The Lost Letter from Morocco, is the same uh, format. Yes. And so it links, you know, between periods and storylines and characters and locations. This is really something that I'm noticing is one of your traits. What inspired that? Um, I think the novel form is a really interesting form. And um, although the book I'm writing at the moment, it has linear narrative. My third book also is a time slip 
And I think with novels, it's really interesting to play with the form. I mean, you don't have to be linear with it. You know, you can go into people's minds. You can travel back and forth in time. You can be in people's thoughts. You can be in real time. You can have a narrator, you know, in there. It's a very, very fluid form. And and I think that um, it's a shame not to, you know, take advantage of, of... how you can use it. And so with time slip, I mean, I love history. Um, I did a double major in history and English literature years ago. And I just love bringing uh, uh, historical time alive. And I like mixing it up with modern time. So it feels more alive in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so I like mixing the the contemporary time with historical time. Yeah, I well, I'm a huge fan of historical fiction, so I really appreciate that about your writing. The other thing I've noticed, having read both The English Wife and The Lost Letter from Morocco, is that location plays a significant role in your books. The Lost Letter from Morocco, Marrakesh, the Atlas Mountains, uh, the characters even go to Asawara to the Gnawa Festival. Um, that all plays, you know, a leading role. And now The English Wife, set in Newfoundland which is now part of Canada. Yes. The UK, uh, Norwich specifically, the scenes are largely set. I'm just wondering, what is your connection to those areas? Right. Well, Morocco, as you know, I've been traveling there a lot. I've spent an awful lot of time in Marrakesh and up in the Atlas Mountains. So that really got me going with writing. I was just so inspired by my experiences and the people I've met and the places I've visited in Morocco that I really couldn't not write about it. You know, I just felt so compelled to write about it. Um, And for me, location is so important. It's almost like another character in the novels for me. I've noticed that about Um, your writing, for sure. It really, really, um, it it colors people's lives. It inspires how they act. It's, it's, you know, both in The English Wife and and in um, The Lost Letter from Morocco, the, the, the locations are just so important. The books wouldn't be the same mm-hmm. without the, the resonance of those locations, I think. And mm-hmm. in the, the English Wife, obviously, Newfoundland is such a unique place with the way people are and the way people speak. Now, of course, not everybody speaks with that kind of a Newfoundland accent there. I'm a Newfoundlander mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people do, um, and I wanted to be uh, faithful to that in the writing there. Um, and in fact, a lot of Newfoundlanders like myself, when I go back there, I slip into it myself. You Dear. know, it's just ingrained in us to speak to speak that way. So um, yeah, and I've got nine uncles, and uh, you know, they, oh, wow. you know, you get in a house with them, and um, it's it's a it's a hoot, it's uh-huh. a hoot. So. Uh, yeah, and Norwich, well, I have an ex-boyfriend uh, here who was from Norfolk, and we spent a lot of time in Norwich. And when I was um, uh, researching The English Wife, I went up there for a long weekend, and uh, he's quite a World War II buff. So we walked all over the city, which is um, really an interesting city. It's very walkable. It's very medieval, and, wow. and uh, nothing has changed. Uh, there's the cobbled streets and the old houses and all of that. And, um, you know, you could 
I found the locations, the buildings that were the dance hall and those kind of places mm-hmm. were still there. Um, the, the, the department store was still there, except with different names and whatever. So um, so that was very evocative for, mm-hmm. for writing up Norwich and, and the English wife. Yeah. So I guess um, maybe we should tell listeners a little bit about the lost letter from Morocco. Uh-huh. Um, do you want to just give us a bit of a overview of the book? Yes, sure. Now, the last letter from Morocco, as I said, was very much inspired by my experiences of Morocco. Um, and I uh, sp- have spent a lot of time in a, a place called Uzud in the mountains there where there's a beautiful waterfall. And uh, so I've wanted very much to use that location as the main location mm-hmm. in uh, Morocco. So I've given the, the location a different name called Zatoun, but it is it is very much inspired by Uzud mm-hmm. um, and the Uzud waterfalls. And uh, I have a character who, she's a Canadian um, and she's uh, living in London and she's just had every bad thing happen to her, basically. Her her fiancé is cheated on her and, you know, they've broken up. Um, she is a photographer and it's 2009, so there's a big recession, so she's lost her photography oh, shop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, she's just come through a year of having gone through uh, breast cancer as well. So she, her, her health has, you know, got broken down and now she's come through that. And her father, who is um, a geologist, um, uh, her mother died of breast cancer many, many years ago. Uh, he's just had a heart attack uh, back in Nanaimo. So like everything bad has happened to her all at once. So um, she has an elder half-sister uh, who's an interior designer in London and uh, whose mother was quite posh. And her sister is the executor to the father's estate and basically dumps some paperwork and old photos and bits and pieces on, on the uh, um Addie's lap, Adela's lap. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this, uh, Addie finds uh, some photos uh, where they're, that are taken by her father, some old Polaroid photos from the early, from the mid 1980s. And there's a young Moroccan woman in one of them uh, with her father, and she's standing in front of these beautiful waterfalls. And on the back, it just says, Hanan in Zatoun, 18, uh, 1984. So she's wondering, like, who, who, who's this person and why, she's, why is she with my father? And she finds half of a letter in this in which her father seems to be about to tell her about this young woman, but half of the letter is missing. So she, uh, with some money that's been left her by her father, she decides to take three months. She's got nothing left for her in Britain at the moment. Um, and uh, she half owns a flat with her ex, and that's all a bit messy at the moment, so she just wants to get away. So she decides to go to Morocco, to this place, Satoun, to see if she can find out who this Hanan was. So that's basically what she does. Um, and then the story is interspersed with her experiences there, and she meets somebody, um, and people seem to be keeping secrets from her, she finds. People aren't 
extreme mm-hmm. being truthful about this young woman. Um, and uh, she enlists the help of uh, a young guide there, a Berber guide, to, to help her. And then eventually she kind of finds that he's not quite who he seems either. <laughs> and, interspersed, and interspersed with all of this are some fla- flashback bits of her father with Hanan. And so we kind of learn, as she does, at the same time as we read, mm-hmm. like, the father's story, almost as she's discovering the father's story. So, so um, that's how it's all wound together. She suspects that she might have a half-brother or half-sister there. Um, she starts believing that Hanan and her father had a relationship. And, and this picture of, of Hanan pregnant, she thinks, well, maybe she has a half-brother or half-sister there. So it's all just trying to figure out what, what went on there. So um, that's basically the story in a nutshell. And she, she and this young Berber have a lot of um, adventures as they trace her father's footsteps through the, the Polaroids that he's left of him and Hanan in different locations in Morocco while she tries to find out the story, their story. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank I love the book. I started reading it. In Ramadan, because yeah. I had just, I had met you and you'd given it to me the day before Ramadan started, I think. And I read it in like one yeah. day. It was so good. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, sure, it resonated because, you know, Morocco so well. So, you know. Exactly. But I have to say, it, a lot of people are, are buying it now because that came out in March of uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. Um but there's been an upsurge in it since the English Wife came out because I'm finding that people who finished the English Wife are now buying the Lost Letter from Morocco. So nice. you know, so it's great mm-hmm. as a writer that people start you know, finding out what else has she written. You know, yes. so so Absolutely. that's quite gratifying. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, what do you find it is about? Like I, since I've moved to Morocco, I feel like my writing has improved and increased as well. Um, there's just I don't know what it is, but can you name it, the inspiration that lies there for you? It must have great ley lines. I don't know, because it is such an inspirational place. Mm -hmm. I have done a lot of writing there, unfortunately not this year, but whenever I am wanting to do some creative writing or work out outlines or whatever – uh, in the past, I've I've tried to go to Morocco to, for a week or two to do it because I'm so productive there, mm-hmm. and and I and I can mix it up with you know working. I tend to write for about five hours um, a day, and then in Morocco the the sun is out and the weather's so great. I try to stay somewhere that has a pool, which I'll swim, and then I'll meet friends like you and other friends mm-hmm. for for lunch or dinner or something. Thing and I'll visit some terrific sites and it's just a very rich life there and yeah. I just find people are so creative there yes. um, you, know, yes. you know and it's everything is in high color there you know people wear colorful clothes the weather is beautiful people are creative you're surrounded mm-hmm. by creative people uh, artisans and yeah. writers and storytellers and all sorts and um, I just get swept up in in that creativity there yeah i find it much easier than writing in in britain i have to yes. say where where i have to really 
plant myself on my desk chair sometimes when when the weather's gray and all the rest whereas I never have problem in in Morocco writing me either and I'm in Canada at the moment and it's just I have stuff that I want to get done but I just don't get it done the way I would if I were in Morocco (laughs) I'm much um my I, I can't settle for as long here you know I'll 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 write for an hour and then I feel like I'll have to get up. I don't know, laugh around a bit. Then I'll write a bit more. Whereas Morocco, I can really go for it Mm -hmm. and and the time flies. Yeah. So I definitely plan to get back as soon as I can. And, 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 you know, if, if there wasn't COVID, I'd be over there now working on this novel. I'm sure. Knowing you personally, I could see some of your characteristics and personality traits in some of the characters. So I'm just wondering, (laughs) What is your process for character development? Um, it kind of changes from book to book. The first book, I was very inspired by a lot of the people, characteristics of people I know. None of the characters are, are the people I know, but I was inspired by characteristics of people I know. Mm-hmm. And certainly in Addie, there were things about me in that character, although it wasn't I biographical she was much she's much more I'd say naive than, mm-hmm. than I am and um, my, I wanted her to be quite an every woman you know like everything was very new thing for her in Morocco so she's kind of really uh, doesn't have any sophistication about understanding the place yeah so she has to really learn it from scratch which I imagine a lot of readers are learning it from scratch not having been there before so I kind of wanted her to be like that um, Whereas in The English Wife, uh, The English Wife, the character of Ellie, who is the war bride in World War II, I had an aunt who was an English war bride who married uh, one of my uncles. And when I was, I spent the uh, six weeks in Newfoundland in the spring of 2019, uh, researching and writing the novel. And I stayed with the daughter of the aunt who was the world bride. Mm-hmm. And um, she told me a lot of stories about her mother and her, her father and how they met and where they met and, uh, and all of this kind of thing. And, and her mother was from Norwich as well, which was coincidental. So, so that really helped me have the idea of, of the war bride uh, marrying the, the Newfoundlander. So that was great. And I got some good little tidbit stories from, from my cousin, Jennifer. Mm-hmm. Um, although I never met my aunt, she died a long time ago. I, I, I very much ha- had her in my mind in a way as I created the character. Um, and then, I mean, Sophie, yeah, she's a, she's an architect. She's a young aspiring, uh, businesswoman in 2001, which I was in 2001 and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, hitting the glass ceiling quite a bit and being frustrated and those kind of things. So there were elements of Sophie that I had experienced, although she was, she's a very different character from me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and then most of the other characters are just the Newfoundland characters have elements of uncles of mine or people I've known or um, just people I've met. And uh, spending that six, six weeks in Newfoundland was great because it really refreshed my ear for the, the dialogue and, and my 
appreciation of the landscape and all of that kind of thing. So uh, that was great. I, I do prefer, if I can, traveling to a place before I write about it. <laughs> um, it, it really helps uh, with with coloring the atmosphere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, as we said at the beginning of the of our call, you started writing book number three during lockdown. Um, any insight on what readers can expect, and will it be another historical romance? Yeah, it's a historical romance in a way. It's a saga, though, more than anything else. It's a family saga. I'm hoping that it will be the first of, of a series of three uh, books, and it's set in the World War One during World War One, from 1913 to 1919, and um, it's around three sisters from London mm-hmm. and uh, they their mother is uh, half Italian she's English and half Italian and the back the time slip actually goes back the time slip goes back to eight in the 1890s when the mother is in Italy um, and then the forward story is all during World War one so it's kind of a back time slip which is a little bit unusual um, and there's a real mystery about their mother's background. And uh, the three sisters are very different. Uh, the eldest is studying in Germany in 1913. She wants to uh, teach German, um, hopefully at a university, if, if, if any of them open up to having female professors back then. Um, she's hoping to do it and teach in Britain. But she has a German boyfriend over in Heidelberg. Mm-hmm. And uh, which um, I, I and the two other sisters are fraternal twins, and one is studying to be a nurse, and one is quite bohemian and artistic. And I was very inspired. Uh, my grandfather was a photographer in Britain, in in London, and mm-hmm. um, I have lots and lots of his old photographs. And I have great aunts who were you know, in their 20s during World War One, And one of them did have a German fiancé before the war. There was a lot of moving back and forth between Britain and Germany back, back then. Um, and uh, of young women, you know, going, being finished over there and, you know, finishing school and all of that kind of thing. So, and she lost her fiancé during the war. Um, he was fighting on the other side, obviously. And they couldn't correspond, you know, because... There was no post going between the two. So she only found out about his death after the end of the war. I always thought that was very poignant, you know. Um, it wasn't so clearly us and them. There was a lot of this kind of thing going. And she couldn't speak about that relationship during the war because of the anti-German sent- sentiment, sentiment that was going on. Um, and then I had another great aunt who was a, a nurse during the war, and she was a nurse for the British Army, and she nursed at Gallipoli, and then she spent most of the war nursing in Egypt. And I thought, well, that's a really interesting story. So I kind of used her as as inspiration for one of the characters. My grandmother, mm-hmm. so one of the daughters will end up going to Canada eventually. And then uh, one of them... I have um, another great aunt who ended up in Capri for a while for for various reasons. So I thought, well, that's interesting. Let's weave a story with one of the girls ending up in Capri. So so I was inspired by my um, 
my ancestors, my my great aunts and my grandmother for for these three sisters. Hmm. So um, yeah, so and I've been to Capri, so I didn't need to travel there, and I've been to Egypt, so I didn't need to travel there because <laughs> yeah. I couldn't travel there. And a lot of it's set in London, which I know well. So I was able to write something where I didn't have to travel anywhere this time. There was a lot of research, so I'm like, oh my goodness, like World War One in three three different countries. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I really bit off a lot, I have to say. So uh, I did spend a lot of time researching that one. Yeah, more than I'd done for the other books, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So where can listeners buy a copy of your book or find out more? So both of my books are available on Amazon, amazon.com, .ca, .co.uk, .com.au for Australia. So it's, it's, it's readily available, um, both of them, uh, online or also in bookstores around. So and the English one is also available as audio as well, an audio version. Oh, did you do the recording of it? No, no, the publishers um, uh, had an actress, two actresses, one who is Ellie and one who is Sophie, and they both co-narrate the story in the different sections. Oh, yeah. wow. So that's on Audible. Yes, so now I've become a writer, really, since, yeah. since lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is great. I, I'm loving it. Yeah. yeah. Well, at least, yeah, it keeps you busy, right? Like, I feel like that's what I've needed is just for something to yeah. to do and to keep me going each day yeah absolutely uh yes it keeps me motivated keeps me doing things wouldn't have had the time to do as much writing otherwise you know I would have taken a lot longer uh writing book three yeah part time yeah. I appreciate it, having had the time really thank you so much for tuning into this bonus episode of why morocco now more than ever, those of us in the tourism sector and independent creators need support. If you have enjoyed listening to Why Morocco, I would be so incredibly grateful if you would consider rating and reviewing Why Morocco on iTunes, sharing on your social media channels, or just even sending a direct message or email with feedback. I also recommend supporting one of the small business owners or creatives featured on this podcast by either buying the book they are promoting, making a reservation at their hotel or restaurant, checking out their films, or ordering their product online. So for now, it's time to say happy holidays and all the best for 2021. I'm looking forward to getting back to Marrakesh, meeting guests on our Tasting Marrakesh tours, and providing travel and public relations consulting to those in the travel and lifestyle sectors in Morocco. In the meantime, if you want to discuss a partnership or idea, please feel free to get in touch with me via my website, mandyinmorocco.com. Keep safe, stay healthy, and Happy New Year.